0: in the name of Jesus Lord we magnify and we glorify your precious name thanking you Lord God for this day as this is the day that you have made and as your word says let us rejoice and be glad in it Father God and if we have any understanding of that truth Lord God then it'll well up in the, on the inside of us, even right now, Lord God, as your word come forth that we might receive your word, Lord God, for the truth that it is. Not from where we are and what we wanna hear, Lord God, but from where you are sending it, that we will just receive it, Lord God, that it may accomplish that which you are sending it out to do in our lives, Lord God, that it may change us, that it may rearrange us, Lord, that we may never be the same, oh God. So Lord, speak to our hearts, make it very plain and very clear, Lord God, and compel us, Lord God, to press forward, to move forward, Lord God, on this journey that you have set before us, Lord God, that we may finish the race in, in finishing it in such a way, Lord God that you receive all the glory and all the praise and all the honor and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen Amen and amen. Glory be to God, hallelujah. So we are gonna continue our journey on the Christian liberty. It's been a a few weeks and, uh, but now it's time to pick up from where we left off at the, so the title of our message again is Christian Liberty. This is part six. I think I said part six before somewhere. There's some confusion in there. Uh, so we're just going to go with part six again on today. Amen. And as we uh, look to the Lord for our peace and our comfort, um, and, and we know that all of that comes from the Lord. I pray, my prayer is, is that we, re, you know, Because sometimes God's word, as simple as it is, it can be very difficult. And the difficulty comes into our flesh or against our flesh, you know, in there. And so my prayer is continuously that we allow God's word to take root in our heart, that it will change us from the inside out, uh, from the inside. Because see, the inside of those of us that are believers is that inner man is what is connected to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as uh, we continue on this journey of Christian liber- liberty, then God wants to encourage us with just that simple fact. So in quick review, before we take off, you can turn your Bibles over to 1 Peter. I'm sorry, let's, let's actually start in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And then also you can mark your Bibles at 1 Peter chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 10 and 1 Peter chapter 2. So as you are uh, getting there and we're marking our Bibles there, this first part of Christian liberty and, and the journey that we've been on, let me just do a quick review in light of the fact that it has been some weeks. What we've come to understand in this is that, man, we are, uh, may, are twofold uh, in there. We are natu- uh, natural And spirit, that we are twofold, and the twofolds are the natural man and the spiritual man. Glory be to God. And so, on this first half of this uh, of true uh, of Christian liberty, God has been ministering to us about that which is the spiritual man first, which is our also known as the inner man. So he's been dealing with our inner man, first and foremost. And the points that he's made was three major ones as he deals with us, the spiritual man part of us. Well, let me just slow down real quick for a moment. Understand that in us being twofold, because some of us, and actually all of us, you know, if we don't understand the dilemma that is at work in us, then it can make it very difficult. But understand this, that man created by God is twofold in nature. He is a natural man, which is that which we uh, experience on the outside. Just think of it like that is also known as the fleshly man, the bodily man, the outward man. And then we also are, are the spiritual man. And that spiritual man is also referred to as the inner man. And uh, those of us that have been born again, it's the new man. Come on, somebody, in there. And so God has been dealing with us on our inner man, and the key to the inner man, because see, the inner man is also known as the soul. That that's the man that is connected to God. In there, and we need to understand the difference because uh, some of us have experienced some things where. It goes like this, and even the Word of God talks about it, how uh, at times that we know that the, the flesh lusts against the spirit. That we, are, we, that we are torn between the two. That our flesh, come on somebody, lusts against our spirit. So that which I would, would do, I find myself doing the opposite of that. Paul talked about it in there. See, because his inner man there in his soul that was connected to God and believed in God and, and, and wanted to be led by God uh, was wanting to go one way, but yet the, the, the fleshly man, that which he could see with his eyes, that which was uh, born out of the lust, was drawing him and tearing at him at the same time. So therefore, it leaves us at a place, and in, it's in, in proper for us to understand the truth of God's word, that we have... A nature that wars, uh, the 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 against another nature. We have the nature of the outward flesh that is warring against the spirit of God, the, the your your soul that wants to please God, and see, and these are contrary to one another, is what the Bible says. So having that understanding, God wants to start. In in, in us understanding Christian liberty and Christian liberty, let me just uh, revisit that just for a second. See, Christian liberty, what God is speaking to us on is that liberty that you and I that have and uh, not only have, but we are called to walk in as we have submitted our lives or given our life or put our trust in the Lord and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have an obligation to run this race or, and finish your course with the understanding of Christian liberty. Meaning that you are free. And while we are free, because we talked about this in part one, while be, and because we have been set free by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ himself, in there, that while we are the freest of all men, yet we are servants to every man. See, we free enough that we can actually serve. See, the, a man that, that wants to be free or think he's free or free in pride, he ain't going to serve nobody because he ain't free enough. But whom the Son has set free is free indeed, and we are free enough that while we are free from all men, that we made ourselves subject to all men for the uh, grace of God and for the glory of the kingdom of God. See, because we know that by serving man, uh, according to God's will, that's how God is going to be glorified. That's why he says to us, and he gave us the greatest commandment to love one another as he has loved us. And he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. See, so while Christian liberty and what Christ has done for us sets us free to the point where we are free from from all men, the love of God that's in us compels us to be willing to serve every man. Free from all, but willing to serve everyone. That's a beautiful thing, my friend, and that uh, yo and while that's, that's still playing tricks on some of us right now in our mindset to, to understand that, but this is a place of true freedom. See, when uh, it's just like uh, a natural example would be maybe uh, the dynamic of of a man being so rich that he yo he's so rich that he can be poor. See, see, he he knows that he has so much money that he don't have to to live. He can live uh, you know, on the street. He can live just of the, as the poorest because he ain't worried about being poor. Somebody missed that. And see, when you're totally free, you ain't worried about being a captive. See, when you're totally free, you ain't worried about going into, uh, to, 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 to serve or, or going into the jail cell because you know that they, the jail can't hold you. Cause I'm free. So I don't have no fear of walking in the jail cell. Come on somebody. And God has done this for us. And so the three, there's three things, you know, about the, the, you know, the inner man and the soul of man as is connected to God is connected to God one way and one way only. And that's through faith, our faith in Christ Jesus that has connected our souls in such a way that we are free and free indeed. Come on, somebody. And so on this journey, God has shared with us three virtues of faith. The three virtues of faith uh, that we need to have understood And that first virtue of faith is that we do not need the law or works to, for justification or sanctification. See, I'm talking about faith now. Understand the, the, let's get the whole picture. Understand the journey that we're on. We're on a journey that, that God is trying to show us the Christian liberty that we have, the freedom in Christ that we have. Free to do his will in there. And, and what can hold us back from that is anything that is not of God. So he wants to set this record straight. And the first thing uh, about that is he wants to give us an understanding of our freedom in here, that it comes by faith and faith alone. So therefore, the first virtue of faith is an understanding that one that has been redeemed is that your works have not justified you, my friend. And not only have they not justified you, they can't. That it's through the blood of Christ Jesus that we have been justified and sanctified and salvation has come through the blood of Christ Jesus. Very simply said, right? Get the tape because it goes much deeper than that. But understand the point that, that the first virtue of faith is that the law or works cannot and will not justify us. There's a huge dilemma of why even why we have to talk about this, You know, and, and again, I can't go over the, the first two sessions all here right now, but one of the dilemmas uh, in there or one of the big things is, is that while we may know that in word, well, we can say it, repeat it, or we can even tell somebody else that you are not justified by your works, but only by the blood of Christ Jesus there's a real dilemma that God showed us, is that while we can say that, many of us can say the words, but yet we live as though as though works justify us. And not only as, they, as though they justify us, that we live in such a way that we are trying to perform works to feel better. And it does not work. And that is something that we all, somebody say we all, we all are susceptible to, without a proper understanding, without a, a serious revelation, we can find ourselves trying to do good in order to feel good. When the truth of the matter is we are, because we, we, we should feel good because God is good. And he's good enough. And that our feelings to, to, or our Admiration or our desire to do good is not based on us trying to receive anything from the Lord, but because we've already received everything from the Lord, Amen. hallelujah. Yeah. And then, yes, ma'am. And so when we understand that our justification has come separate and, and aside from our works, because truly if we got what we deserve, from our works, then all of us would be in major trouble. But glory be to God that he sent his son and his son have have paid the price. You know, he's been the appropriation for our sin that God has said that now when we put our faith, somebody say faith, and our trust in the Lord, then he has made us right in his sight. He has made us right. What are we talking about? We are talking about our soul. We're talking about the inner man. Because it's important that we understand this as we go down the journey because many of us, though we know that we are twofold in nature, we get confused our outer man that is falling daily with our inner man that has been redeemed by the Lord and, and, and that is right with God. Don't get the two mixed up. So we find ourselves messing up and not being good enough and, we'll, and, and that can weigh down on us if we don't understand what is happening on the inward parts. And if we don't understand the relationship or, 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 that, God through, that our soul has with the God of heaven. See, this bodily, it, which is this flesh, this is why it, it won't enter into heaven. We're we going to have to have a new body. But your soul, it's what's going to be united with God. Yeah. It's going to be what's, what's caught up when Jesus comes. And the Bible describes it that we're going to get a new body. Oh, yeah. So this is the reason why uh, the fact that because Jesus has paid the price, this is why God can look at us as white as snow. Amen. So because somebody's been confused for a long time about that. Well, how can God look at me as white as snow and my bodily is messing up every, I'm messing up every day. Because your bodily is messing up every day. Your soul is right with God. Are we getting that? This is huge that we understand this because in moving forward, when we understand that truly, that Jesus Christ and the price that he paid and us putting our faith in him that our faith is the conduit that gives us that makes us right with God apart from our works apart from the law and when Jesus makes us right with God then ain't nothing can change that and where we've been getting confused that is is that Jesus that made us right with God and then our bodily man comes behind it and it falls down, and we think that our Bali man have, that can overtake what Jesus has done. We're just going to walk through this because this is worth uh, learning. This is going to be a teaching session, my friend, that we may be encouraged. Because without this understanding the truth, then what happens is, is that which is done in the bodily, then it begins to make a negative influence on what on our soul. And it has no uh, power to do so. It has not been given power to do so. But the soul has been uh, in its freedom and its right standing in its being. Uh, brought out of the darkness into the marvelous light being in Christ, it is to have all the influence on our bodily, our outward man. It is not out to work the, the, the other way. And we're gonna continue to see that. But when we understand that, when we just get a glimpse of that truth, then guess what the second virtue of faith is? the second virtue of faith is is that which we put our faith in and that which we trust in, then because of what it has done for us, it takes us to a place in our inner man that has an honor to the utmost of the one who has saved his soul. See, when you truly understand what was just being said, that when God saves us, as we put our trust in Him and we put our faith in Him, when the Lord saves us, come on somebody, that that He saves us, as the Word of God says, to the utmost. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. See, He saves to the utmost. Yeah. Somebody needs to understand that today, because some of us don't really understand that when Jesus Christ and Him crucified in the works, in uh, the washing of, of of water and the purifying. Uh, that we being purified by his blood, that it saved us to the utmost. Yeah. 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 See, that means ultimately. Yeah. See, then now with that understanding, and we know that if we understand that that is what has happened with our soul, then our outward man can no longer lie to us. Yeah. And when we understand that God has done this through his son, then we understand the greatest gift that has ever been given to us and how powerful that gift is. See, come on, look. Need, we got to get out of ourselves right now. Cuz some of us is trying to comprehend this in the natural and it's impossible, my friend. But in the spirit if we could just see from God's perspective what he has done for us and when we realize the salvation that we have that's, uh, that through our faith in Christ Jesus, then it only lands us at one place in one place only. And that is the second virtue of faith that, it, that in our hearts we have an honor for God, like none other. That He becomes first and foremost in our lives. See, some of us—the reason why we ain't honoring God is we don't know our salvation. We still—it's still linked to me in me doing uh, adding a little bit to it in my goodness in my performance. And see, and this is what carries us on a merry-go-round because when my performance down, then uh, I'm on the low part of the merry-go-round. And when my performance is up, when I think I done done good, then uh, then I feel pretty good. I'm up on the top part. And it ain't no such thing in the heavenly places because it ain't predicated on your performance. We are set in one place, and that place is that he saved us to the utmost. Hallelujah. And that is set by the blood of Christ Jesus is the standard for that one. Yeah. And you can see what there is. If we, we have to be true to ourselves because if we be true to ourselves, then that's how the truth of, is what the Bible says that sets one free. And when we can be true to ourselves, then, then this is how God can help us overcome. The things that is, that is binding us and one of the major things as it pertains to this subject is that we don't, we, we heard, we know that the word says that we, by faith, that we are, are, have no need. Because of our faith, we have no need of the, uh, uh, for, uh, for works or, or the law for justification and sanctification and salvation. Come on, somebody in there so we can know that intellectually. We can know it because we read it. But when we begin to examine our walk, our steps, our daily life, that which we're doing. And when we mess up and that brings us down to a state. And feeling a certain way, an old feeling like God is so far away from me then trust me, my friend, that got to tell you that I'm still twisted. In some way, shape, fashion, or form, because it, it's some. that's the only saying to me that my performance has something to do with how close and how uh, uh, God is to me. It, it, you know, and we got to be, see, that's what I'm talking about. The truth sets us free. So we got to begin to be truthful to ourselves. We got to know that we're taking an attribute of Christ in that cross, in the blood, and somehow we, we, we link in our performance to it. So that we have to be freed from. And see, and when we get to this place of true understanding, the second virtue kicks in in a, in a way that will blow our minds. The honor that we would have and the respect that we would give unto God or unto the one whom we believe, we would attribute to him as truth and righteousness. And, 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 and what, what was said to us is that w- truth and righteousness, there ain't no greater at- attribution that, we, that one can give to God or attribute to God or for us to recognize of who he is. We say the words that God is good. God is more than good. He's truth and he's righteousness. He's our truth and he's our righteousness. Then yes, he's good. But when we understand what his good has done for us in sending his son and him orchestrating uh, salvation and justification for us in the, such a way that when his son finished the work and we put our faith and trust in that, then, then it does what we can't do. It did what we cannot do, my friend. And when we understand that, God, that, that, that another man, namely Christ Jesus, came and took our place and did what we could not do and brought us to a place of salvation, can't nothing come from that but uh, adoration and honor for God to the utmost. Come on, somebody. There's the second virtue of faith. So again, the first virtue of faith is realizing that the, the works of, my, of the law cannot justify me. And because I understand that, and, I, and God has saved me, even when I couldn't, I ain't done nothing to deserve that, that now it takes me to a place of honoring him to the utmost. And then thirdly, the third virtue of faith is one that is beautiful. And we talked about this several weeks ago. That it, it, this faith shows the, the, the soul being married to Jesus. It's the matrimony of the soul and, and, and our Savior. And he spoke to us in a powerful way. If you haven't heard it, you better get the CD because God, you know, I ain't going that deep right now, but I will give you an excerpt of it. And that is that when... the third virtue of faith, this is what faith does. When we have faith, it it takes our soul and it marries us to the Son, to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In there, and this is what God has showed us that the natural picture that he gave from the very beginning when he created man, of marriage of a husband and a wife becoming one flesh. Glory be to God that the book of Ephesians speaks of the same thing and he ministered to us from that place that this is, it was only a picture of what the Jesus and the church, the groom and the bride of Christ, that would come and they would be one and have all things in common. And the big news out of that, my friend, is is, is this, is that when a, 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 a woman and I ain't just talking about a natural woman I'm talking about the bride I should say when the bride uh, and the groom comes together the bride uh, the groom takes on everything that, the, that belongs to the bride and when Christ uh, and our soul was united our soul is full of death our soul is full of uh, condemnation. I'm talking about our soul was. What we bring to the table is death, condemnation, and sin. Somebody say, Sin is what you brought to the table. Death and condemnation is what we brought to the table, my friend, as the bride of Christ. But guess what? He brought to the table. See, because when a marriage, when when the marriage takes place, both parties bring to the table what they uh, have to offer. And they both take on what one another's uh, condition and they become one. So what Christ brought to the table was not sin, but it was life. He brought life to the table. He brought redemption to the table. He brought justification to the table. And what God showed us then was that what we brought to the table, Christ took it and he made it his own. See, this got, somebody got to understand this before it to be real valuable to you because when you were married to Christ, then he took your sin. He took your death. He took your condemnation. And this is what was accomplished on the cross. See, because when he died on the cross and when he ascended and was buried, he ascended into the the lower parts of hell. But glory be to God that he, that God raised him up out of that place and, and to the point where death Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? See, and the thing that you don't understand is that, or what we got to understand is that when Christ, when we were married to Christ, then he took on our sin. He took on our death. He took on our condemnation. And because he conquered that, that we have the victory. <clears throat> so you, aren't, you don't have the penalty of sin anymore. Death has no power over you. The children of the most high God. Do you understand that? Death has no victory over you, my friend. Because why? Because now we are brides of Christ. We are linked to him and he has taken it and he has dealt with it. He has accomplished it. He has finished it. And so he took on that for us. But the other part of the virtue, the third virtue, is, is that not only did he, did, we, did he take ours, he gave us of his. And that which he gave is ours to have, to hold, until death do us part. Oh, it ain't no death, it ain't no part. Hallelujah. So what he gave us was life. Come on, somebody. He gave us redemption. He gave us the victory. And that is yours. As the bride of Christ, it belongs to you. And now, there's a purpose in which he, why he gave us of his is because God needs to use that life He needs to use that redemption to shine a light into a dark world. He needs to use that victory that it can be seen by the lost and the hopeless. This is our responsibility in what God has given us and shared with us as the children of the Most High God. And so when you wrap all of these things up, It gives us an understanding of why it is so important. This attribute of faith, why it's so important. So that it alone can fulfill the law and justify without any works. See, it speaks to something that is very important. And you can see this even from the first commandment, which says thou shall worship one God. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. That this commandment is actually fulfilled in faith and faith alone. If you was nothing but good works, check this out, from the sole of your feet to the crown of your head, you would not be worshiping God. If you were good from the sole of your feet to the top of your head, you would not be worshiping God nor fulfilling the first commandment for that matter, since it's impossible to worship God without ascribing to him the glory of truth and righteousness. That is the only way to worship God is to ascribe to him who he is, truth and righteousness, my friend. And that he is full of goodness. And in understanding that, then giving him and yielding to him in obedience, This is the truth that ought to be described to God above all things, my friend. And see, and then with this faith, we're talking about the faith that helps us understand that it's not by our works, but it's by the blood. This faith that understanding that it was by the blood and God, and Christ done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, that gives the honor to God to the utmost. And that takes us to this place of realizing that us being married, that God, that Christ gave us all of his and he took all of ours. He took our mess and gave us all of his goodness. He took all of our mess and gave us of all of his goodness. When we wrap up this picture and we link it to the uh, understanding of why uh, the, the purpose behind it. That now, for the rest of our stay here, that we can see that God wants to use that for the glory of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, now we're getting to where the rubber meets the road. And that place is this. Is that now, this is why we can see that in 1 Peter, chapter 2, that he refers to us as the, a royal priesthood. Go there, First Peter Chapter two, and verse nine, it says this But you are a chosen generation. First Peter Chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy, my friend. He's talking to you and me. Peter alludes to this Old Testament to remind us, Scripture to remind us of the readers that the people of God are no longer just the Jews. The Lord has called Jews and Gentiles alike out of the darkness to witness to the world that divine mercy is available to all, my friend. See, it's all of our responsibility in this time, in, in, in this day, to be used by God for the glory and for the kingdom of God that will speak to a, a world full of darkness and, 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 and proclaim to them of the divine mercy that's available to each and every one. So now it's speaking directly to you and me to the purpose of the rest of our stay here. There, if you read the next verse, it says, So then, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, sustain from fleshly lust which wars against your soul. Oh, this is what we were talking about. The flesh, that outward man, warring against your soul, that inward man. And when it does that, if you let it control you or to have your conduct, but... But instead, having your conduct honorable, this is verse 12, amongst the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And see this, uh, the works, the good works that they are observing is not works that you're doing to get God or to deserve him. It's the ones that you are doing because you have God. This is what manifests itself in the outward man. And that's the second half. When we begin to focus on the outward man, then we're going to see what faith, uh, true faith working on the inside, how it manifests itself on the outside, my friend. We, do you understand what is being said here? That we are a royal priesthood, and see, and some of you have heard this preached many times before. In the sense of that we are kings and priests. Guess what? To that, we are kings and priests because of Christ Jesus, but not for uh, uh, centering around ourselves or for some of the monkey business on how it's been presented. This is where the true problem comes in. When we have this twisted, there's one high priest and one alone. Go to uh, the other, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, the one that, uh, that we talked about as well, Hebrews chapter 10. And throughout the book of Hebrews in chapter 9, 8, 9, and 10, you know, it speaks continuously. You get a chance to read this. Matter of fact, let's just back up to 9. We'll uh, skip around here just a little bit. In, In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, it says, But Christ came as high priest of all good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made by hands, That is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with the blood, with his own blood, he entered in the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Come on, somebody. Verse chapter 10. Look at verse five first. Therefore, when he, Christ, came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you have no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do the will of God. See, Christ knew when he came, he came for one reason and one reason only, to do the will of God, making him the high priest. Turn over to verse 19 in chapter 10. It says, to us, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest, that's Jesus, over the house of God. Let us, somebody say let us, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of what? Of our faith, my friends. Because it's our faith that has put our souls married to Christ that he took all of our sin and our death and, and, and our condemnation upon himself and he conquered that. And then not only did he take that, he put in place, he imparted to us life, come on somebody, redemption and the will of God to be done in our lives, my friends making us a part of the priesthood. Not the high priest, but we are a royal, we are a chosen generation. We are of a royal priesthood, my friends. And do you understand this? Understand this. That his priesthood does not consist in outward display of vestments and gestures, as did the human priesthood of Aaron and the people of God back then, and even the people of God this day. But in spiritual things, see, the priesthood came in spiritual things, wherein in his invisible office, he, Christ, intercedes for us with God in heaven. See, in the places that we can't see. And there often him, uh, offer himself and perform all the duties of a priest. This is what God Jesus is doing for us even today. And see, as Paul describes him in the Hebrews, or to the Hebrews, and this is what we was talking about, under the figure of Melchizedek, See, because if you read through chapters 8, 9, and 10, then you'll understand that the, the priesthood of Melchizedek was just a picture of what was to come when the, the true, true priest would come. The most high priest will, uh, in there, that and in that sacrifice, glory be to God, it didn't require the, 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 the priest to enter into the most holy of holies once a year and offer a sacrifice for his own sin and then a, a, a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. But the Bible says here that, he, that Christ came and he entered and he, he offered the sacrifice of his bl- own blood once and for all. Glory be to God. And the Bible describes it then he sat down at the right hand of the Father, not to offer another sacrifice. Because God, that's what we just read, see, because he did not desire the sacrifice of bulls and goats. But he off- he, he, God, he desired the true sacrifice. The one that would satisfy, that would truly satisfy him for sin, the sin of mankind. And that has been accomplished in Christ Jesus. And this is what makes him the high priest. But as members of his family, then we are of the royal priesthood. And the good news is, my friend, is that now we are, yes, more than, higher than kings. We are priests. See, kings, you know, it it emphasizes the fact of of our, uh, uh, our, you know, being over something. And the over that we are is not what has been made out to be. In this natural world. So as kings, he didn't deliver us to be over you know, uh, what we, the natural things. He, he gave us the power to be over the spiritual things, my friend. And that's how we are kings. And we ain't exercising our kingship either. Because for many of us, we want to, to take that kingship and make it over the world things. This kingship is over the kingdom of God things, my friend. Let the world be the world and let us be of the kingdom. And the power of of being a king is over the spiritual things. So we have the power to to tread upon serpents. Hallelujah. We have the power to be able to pray and intercede and to exercise our priesthood for the body of Christ and for others. See, because a priest, there's two duties of a priest. The first duty of a priest is to pray and intercede. And we, just as Christ is praying and interceding uh, in the heavens, in this invisible place, as Romans chapter uh, 8 describes it, that he makes intercessions on our behalf with words that we can't even understand. That is our responsibility, I'm talking about not, well, I'll get to that. But it's our responsibility, it's your responsibility as a priest right. to pray and intercede. Yes. And the second duty of a priest is to teach, is to teach us inwardly in the spirit. So we ain't talking about the priest that you go to and sit and do confession with. And see, and this is where the good news is. Because through the birthright that we have as being of the firstborn and with the redemption that we have through Christ Jesus, that we are now kings and priests. And that priest ain't just for or also or better known as the pope, the bishop, the preacher, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. This is the deception that has been going on for a long time. Thus, Martin Luther, even way back in the early 1500s, wrote about this and stated about the dilemma that was, this is back in the 1500s, that, uh, that, one, that the, most, the biggest thing that have come against the body of Christ is this notion of priesthood that being attributed only to uh, the teachers, the preachers, the bishops, and the popes, and separating the laity, meaning the common man, the common believer, and they did it? He said he said way back in the fifteen hundreds that this was that there was a motivation to it, and we see that here over. What is that? 500 years later, the steel manifested in the body of Christ. It was sent by the enemy to separate and to divide and to steal us from doing the duty that God has left us here from, my friend. It is insane that over 500 years, the same thing has been happening and, and it's still manifested in the church. That gives that that, you know, that puts a man that's a, a a preacher or a pastor as though he's something, and that he has the ability, uh, and he's the only one that's called to, to 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 pray and intercede. That he's the only one that God has endowed with the power to uh to pre- to minister the word of God in the Spirit. And while yes, and Martin Luther said the same thing, while yes, it is certainly true as the Bible says that not every man should, would, or ought to be, have a desire to minister the word in a public setting. This does not take away, does not relieve the responsibility of us being ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ all day, every day, my friend. It's just that not many of us should stand up here in front of the crowd of people. But every one of us are priests of the Most High God and I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are a child of God, oh, well, I'm real shy. God, there ain't no shyness in the kingdom, my friend. Or, well, or let me say this like this. God uses shyness in the kingdom so he still got somebody you to talk to. He'll give you somebody that's just as shy as you. Because they sure ain't going to listen to me. I'm too loud and boisterous. They can't take me, but they can take you. God knows what he's doing, my friend. Yes, he does. And this is just, it's just really huge. Let me hear this and we'll, we'll get ready to close here because this is just really a powerful thing. There's two things, and we talked about this. first regarding kingship. Every Christian is by faith so exalted above all things, in spiritual power that is. He is completely Lord over all things, so that nothing, whatever can, uh, or nothing, whatever could bring harm or pain to him, he's not subject to it. But here again, we're talking about, understand this, hear me out. And we are, uh, that Paul says, all things work together for good to those, to them who are the called. And what it, whether life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and ye are Christ's. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 22 and 23 says. See, all, and because we are kings, because all that belong to us, Christ has handled. And all that belongs to Christ, uh, he's imparted and given to us in there. But this is a spiritual power, not a worldly uh, uh, avalanche. So let's get this straight. So not that in the sense of corporate power or any one uh, among Christians has uh, been appointed Uh, to possess or to rule all things according to the mad and senseless ideas of what we see preached today. So it's not talking about some corporate power. This is talking about the spiritual power. Thus the office of the king's prince and men upon earth. In the experience of life, we see that we are subject to all things. We are uh, suffering many things, even death. So how is it that it can be talking about this? It ain't talking about that. Because we suffer, matter of fact, if those of us that desire to live godly will suffer more things in the natural. So it's certainly not talking about your kingship is over uh, and your power uh, in, uh, being that's given is some corporate power that we have That that, that takes us out of suffering and and being attacked and being persecuted by the enemy. Wrong, my friend. This is a spiritual power which rules in the midst of enemies. And it is powerful in the midst of distress. And this is uh, nothing and there is nothing else. than that strength is made perfect in our weakness. As Paul described it. And that I can turn all things to the profit of my salvation. So that even the cross and, the death are com- uh, and death are compelled to serve me and to work together for my salvation. So even the cross and death is working towards our good. Hallelujah. Why? Because we've been imparted that which Christ has already had the victory over. This is a a lawful, a lofty dignity, my friend, that we're talking about, a true and mighty dominion, a spiritual empower in which there is nothing so good, nothing even so bad as to not work together for our good. See, this is a spiritual understanding and it's a spiritual declaration. That when we see even the enemy coming against us, then we know, come on somebody, somebody say no, that we know that even that God is going to use it towards our good, my friend. Instead of us being, see this is the the power that you have, it's the power, spiritual power, to be able to see that, call that which is a, a lie, call that lie, what it is. But see how that lie that was told against you, how even that God can work it in your favor. See, it takes spiritual power to do that. See, because the, the, the natural or the human power, when you lie on me, I'm going to get somebody to, to, to handle that. See, I got power enough to call some boys down to hi, hi, handle you lying on me. You steal from me. I got somebody I can call on. See, that's the world's power, but the spiritual power is that when you steal from me, that I can pray for you. See, it takes spiritual power. That power we have been endowed as kings. But see, we've been taught something different. Even though the word says love your enemies, do good to those who who despitefully use you, pray for for those that, that, that come against you. See, this is the power of kingship when you can do what the word says. And I'm talking about with the right spirit. Because that spirit is of the almighty king, the one that that, that humbled himself, that didn't think so high of himself, but he humbled himself and and, and didn't think it robbery to be equal with God that he left uh, his high place in there. That's the true king. He didn't have to do that, but that's the heart of a true king that can, can humble himself and do what it takes to do the will of God because they know what it's all about, that this time is about God getting back what he wants and what God wants is is the loss. This is what this is truly about, my friend. And when we understand this, then we can understand that there's nothing in which we have need. For faith alone uh, suffices for our salvation. Unless that faith is uh, may exercise the power in the, in, in, in the empire of his liberty. This is the undescribable, most powerful attributes of Christian liberty. See, this is where God is trying to deliver us unto, to a place that we can understand that we are free enough that we don't have to get caught up in the monkey business that we free enough that we can look past the faults and begin to see the needs, my friends. Yeah. Yeah. That we free enough that we don't have to act like we did before. Because see, when, 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 when the fault came, then I, I couldn't help but to be distracted by that. But to know that we, the truth that's in Christ Jesus, of what our, us have in this faith, and what is done to our inner man, how it's delivered us out of the darkness, how it's set us soul in, in, in agreement and in a marriage with the, Jesus Christ. And I just have to be very frank right now because some of us, the days that we have yet in front of us is nowhere close to the days that has already been past us, my friend. So hear what I'm saying, that many of us, the days that we have before us is not is is short compared to the days that that we already live past. And it's high time. I'm talking about from a real manner, my friend, that we begin to see the rest of our days from God's perspective, my friends. That we that because in that it'll allow us to let go of, of us that God's will can be done just as Jesus said he came here for. Because otherwise we're going to be in for a rude awakening when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. Because that's when we're going to know the truth. And know not that your soul is going to be going to hell because if you believe in Jesus, then it's, it, it, thank God uh, God set it up the way he, he did because otherwise we probably all would be going to hell. But because the way he set it up, and that my faith and my trust from the bottom of my heart believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is what saved me. Then God does the saving. And again, memory and thank God it ain't dependent on my works. Because just as well he saved me, if it was dependent on my works, I'd give it right back to him. But glory be to God. That our salvation is based on the finished work of Christ. But what we're going to be in a rude awakening for is that when He saved you and he made your reservation in eternity, that you live the rest of your days for you and not for him, even though in, for some of us, we fooling ourselves because we think we live in it for Him, because we, what we want to do is, is, is something some, it includes some good. for him and we say glory be to God. But God don't want the son that you want to do. He wants all that he wants to do. He don't need the son. We ought to be the one if we understand what didn't happen we ought to be the one that that will accept his son. But we want to give him our son. And think that he's supposed to be satisfied with it. Man, we got it twisted, my friend, and you're going to know it. You're going to know it. But we have the opportunity to know that now. And to surrender that now. And again, for some of us, we didn't live all of our lives for ourselves according to the word of God. I ain't talking about according to what you think. 40-year-old Christian. You know, I've been in the church for 40 years, so I've been living for the Lord. No, you ain't been living for the Lord. You've been a Christian for 40 years, but you've been living for yourself. There's a difference. And it's high time for us to recognize that, my friend. That's all. Because as we finish this race, you know, the race is about finishing. And it's about how we finish. See, we measuring God's race on a natural basis perspective and for most of you know in the natural then they you know when we look at races we don't, we look at how people start what they did in the second leg what they did over here you know and all of this different stuff to determine you know their finish i get that but this ain't no natural thing this is a spiritual thing my friend in in, in the race is about the finish And and that's the good news because each and every one of us, as God has spoken the truth, you have the opportunity to finish, regardless of the 40 years that you live for yourself, being a believer. Now you can spend the next 20 years, 30 years or whatever you have left in there, not only being a believer, but live, but for him, living for him, living for him now. Besides that, we didn't done, done you done done all that you wanted to do or could. You can't you too old, you can't do that no more. Anyway. What are you doing? What do you think this is? Hundred years old trying to wear a mini skirt. Or a tank top for that matter. I ain't gonna lead the in off. What a muscle shirt. You're 100 years old. Man, leave that alone. It's time to live for the Lord and give Him our best and not our least. And not our least. So as we get ready to close here, because uh, Minister Leslie was talking about this in our circle this morning, God put it on our heart. And it's something that we all need to think about is that as children of the Most High God, he's given us his best from the very beginning. That's why we still have salvation, because if it was based on you, you or me, then we wouldn't. And he is faithful to keep that, is what 1 Peter says right before we read. At the end of chapter one, he, or at the beginning of chapter one, he says that he is the one that makes our reservation when we put our faith in him, and he's the one that keeps our reservation for all eternity in there. He seals it for the day of redemption. And then he keeps it for all eternity. And so as the Lord spoke to our heart, you know, he's given us his best from the beginning. And why is it that for many of us as believers, we still want God's best, but we ain't willing to give him nothing but the least. time-wise, financially, the whole nine yards. We need God, you know, uh, uh, like I'll use the example she used that God showed her that, you know, we get behind, you know, or in trouble on our, our rent. We need, we come to God and we ain't got no problem. Lord, I need 1400 And I need it now. But when, and he delivers. But when it's time for us to give, then we giving them $2, $5. Oh, so, when he needs something from us, then we, we, we ain't got no problem going to him asking him for $1,400. But when it's time to give, we give him $5. We're asking him you know, uh, to, to, to provide for us you know, all, of the, all of these things. And when it comes to our time, we won't give him but nothing but the least of it. It's insane. And what makes it insane is because if you look at your relationship with the person you sit next to, every time you hit them up, you hitting them up for $1,400, and then when they need something, the best you can do is $2. You ain't going to be in that relationship long because they ain't going to, uh, I get it. Every time you need fourteen, dollars but, but anytime that they need anything, the best, man, oh, I wish I could do it, but the best I got, I got five on it. How long? Is it going to be before you found out? It seems it's crazy when you think of it like that. But the truth of the matter, that's what we're doing to God every day. Every time you need them, you want them to show up. But every time they call you, man, I'm old, oh, man, I'm, are you miss me, I'm out of town. Every time. But every time that phone rings for you, then you desperate. Oh, you, uh, uh, you got to, you got to, you got to you, with a plea that's, that's so desperate that that will, t- man, will move a mountain. But you never moved. How insane is that? Because even in our natural relationships, none of us will put up with that very long. It's time for us to live for him. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this. Matter of fact, go there and we'll close right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read it word for word. In verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, and it says, and he died for all. And he died for all. He's talking about Jesus. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for all. That those who live, and the ones he's talking about, that those who live, he's talking about the ones that Jesus married their soul and gave life. Remember, he took death, but he gave us life as his bride, to have and to hold. That's the ones who live here. He's talking, so he died for all, that those who live, those that he have given life, they should no longer live their life for themselves, but for him who died for them and gave them life. As God raised them from the dead, come on, somebody! We have no more time. In the day that you hear His voice, harden not your heart. In the voice of God speaks salvation, but it speaks truth. Many of us have heard the voice of salvation, but now today you hear the voice of truth. Harden not your heart against it. Today is the day that we make a commitment in our heart to no longer live for ourselves. Today is your day. Today is your day. Somebody say today is my day. And so this brings us to the end or the or halftime I should say. See, we at halftime of Christian liberty because this brings us to the end of the inner man. So now moving forward we gonna After halftime, we're going to move forward to the second half. And, and this is Christian liberty for the outward man. And we're going to see how the influence of a proper inner, inner man will influence the right outcome of the outer man. And the dangers of not having the proper inner man understanding. We're going to see both sides. Glory be to God. And God is going to encourage us. Come on, Rico, with the right side. Amen. Amen.